And so with that, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. We will be looking at verses 20 through 35 this morning as we continue uh, this wonderful study. And if anywhere in the Bible there is the, the principle of repetition is used, it is in the book of Proverbs as we come to another passage that is warning us about the dangers of adultery. And we could uh, approach it like, oh, we've got to hear this again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's a, it's a pretty big deal to obviously, clearly it's a pretty big deal to God. And one of the dangers that we can slip into uh, if we are completely fixated on uh, just giving the gospel every Sunday, uh, that, can, that can be a problem. You're not getting the whole counsel of the Bible. Another trap we can fall into is, well, I love prophecy, so we're going to study the Old Testament prophets, we're going to study uh, Revelation and Daniel and these kinds of things, and that is going to be what we concentrate on. Some churches fall into the trap of what we only study the letters of Paul. Paul wrote to the church, and that's uh, that's all we need. That would be that would be a mistake. This is uh, one one uh, complete book that has several parts to it, and we we neglect parts of the Bible to to our detriment. And Proverbs uh, as as I've entitled kind of the, the entirety of our study, How to Act Like a Christian. This is a handbook for us. And many of these sections of the book of Proverbs seem as if they're written to Christians in the 21st century. And quite frankly, the sections on how to avoid adultery and uh, some of these other important issues seem like they were written to us. And so, yes, we need, to, we need to understand these things. And perhaps Solomon repeats them. I, he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that's why they're repeated. But he, he most certainly would have been a person who grew up understanding the consequences of adultery and the, the long-term effects that it has in a person's life. Uh, he was the product of it, Literally. And so I'm sure that he grew up uh, seeing the the tension and the problems that it caused in the life of his father. And unfortunately, uh, he didn't always apply everything that he wrote about in in the book of Proverbs, uh, which should lead us back to uh, the truth of the Word and how vital it is to moment by moment walk with the Lord because it it takes about one moment for us to get sidetracked as fallen humans. So today, the title of this lesson is Don't Be a Fool. Adultery is very foolish. It's a very foolish thing to do because we know the consequences of it. We know going in, you know what's going to happen and yet people do it anyway. That that would be foolish. And so, we'll start with give your parents a break. 
get your heart right and grasp the consequences. So notice Proverbs 6 and verse 20. The word of the Lord says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you wake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. So, I kind of I came up with this kind of title doesn't exactly fit perfectly but nevertheless it was an excuse to talk about this issue uh you know many many times in uh TV shows and movies some some person will be having some sort of psychological problem and they go to the the psychiatrist or psychologist and sit down on the couch and whatever and invariably, the first question is, "Wow, what was your relationship like with your parents?" And so, uh, I personally, I think this is kind of an easy trap for us as people to fall into. We are all the children of someone. <laughs> that's how that's how we got here, and and yes, our relationship with our with our parents is. Uh, uh, important and shaping, forming in our in our lives, but it also can be an easy excuse for us to to, or an easy way for us to make excuses about who we are as people. And so, I want us to kind of avoid that. Um, it's easy; it's an easy trap for us to fall into to resent our parents and the things that they, uh, the way that they raised us and this kind of, of thing. And I understand that there are people who grow up in abusive homes and, and had parents who did things that were downright evil and these kinds of things. I'm not, not talking about that. I'm talking about parents who kind of, uh, I don't know, we're all fallen at the same time. And parents who uh, even though they are fallen, did their best to try to raise their their children and teach them the things of the scriptures and uh, they may have may have had rules that you didn 't agree with or whatever this kind of thing is it 's very common for people to make excuses about their own sin and blame it on their their parents and The Bible teaches us that we are all conceived in sin. Every one of us is a sinner separated uh, from God because of our sin and that exclusive of who our, who our parents are. And so that's where this uh, title came from at any rate for this section. Notice again, Proverbs 6.20, he says, my son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. This is again another repeated uh, admonition in Proverbs. It seems like almost every one of the Proverbs so far is mentioning this idea of fathers and mothers teaching their children. And so uh, that is, is a commandment right from the Bible that as parents we need to be teaching our children. So there's 
something for for us as children, all of us are children, again, to keep in mind that parents are instructed by the Bible to teach their kids. You know, you got to, you, as a child, you have to understand that, yeah, I need rules. I have to have rules. In fact, the Bible commands my parents to, to make rules. And of course, they ought to be according to the scriptures. And as parents, you have to understand kids need rules. And so the Bible is commanding you to teach your children. And children ought to obey. Ephesians 6 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, there's uh, kids, are you struggling with the will of God in your life? You know, what should I do? Oh, there you go. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, notice the language here. It's very strong language. It's easy for us to, to it doesn't really come across in English as kind of strong and uh, as the, the Hebrew transmits what, what God is trying to tell us here. That observe is really the, uh, the word to guard or keep or uh, lay siege to. When the, when the Bible talks about armies laying siege to cities, they use the same Hebrew term here that uh, Solomon is saying to his son, observe the commandment of your father, like lay siege to it, guard it, keep it, uh, make it a part of, of who you are. And then there's the, the uh, term commandment, which is mitzvah, in Hebrew, you're probably familiar uh, with that term, the uh, bar mitzvah that that uh, Jewish children, young boys undergo. I think it's about age 13. They have a bar mitzvah. That means they're son of the commandments. That's what it literally literally means. And I don't know if they still do it, but they used to memorize the Hebrew Bible for their for their bar mitzvah, showing that they are a son of the commandments. They know, they know the commandments. And do not forsake the teaching of your mother. And so this term for forsake is to, to leave behind, to cast aside, forget this. I don't care what my, uh, what my mom says. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to understand the teaching. The Torah is the is the, the Hebrew term there. So the implication from the the words here is that this is biblical teaching that the parents are doing with the term mitzvah and Torah, very just bringing it out, putting it right out there for the Jewish person. Hey, parents, teach your kids the Bible. Teach them how to obey the Bible, kids. Guard that. Keep that. Lay siege to it. Make it a part of who you are. Do not forsake it. Do not leave it behind or cast it aside. Say, this is dumb. Uh, my parents don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea what it's like to be a kid in 2023. Uh, it's a lot. Being a kid today is a lot like it was in the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, there's different avenues of sin, but you're still a kid. You, there's still, you know, we had all the same, all the same things, just have different avenues of, of getting to it. Uh, the kids in Sodom and Gomorrah 
Sodom and Gomorrah. They grew up in a pretty, <laughs> pretty desperate kind of place to live in, and that was literally thousands, thousands of years ago. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Verse 21, bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. Make the word a part of who you are is what, what, is, uh, what is being spoken there. Attach, attach it to yourself. Make it part of, of, of who you are. Uh, and of course, we've seen this kind of language earlier, and we, we mentioned before how the Pharisaic uh, Jews kind of took this literally, wooden, literal interpretation and literally tying the Bible to themselves and this kind of, this kind of thing. That's, that's not what God is after. He's after uh, uh, obedience in your heart, primarily. And Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. That is, that's, that's what God is after. That's what it means to bind, bind it to yourself, tie them uh, to your neck and that sort of thing. Uh, treasure it in your heart for the express purpose of not sinning against God. That's what Psalm 119 says. Is telling us. And then in uh, verse 22, he says, When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. Again, this is another that figure of speech, a mirrorism. Uh, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, when you're walking around, and everything in between is the poetic way of, of doing this. Always. In, uh, in Christianese, we call that walking by the Spirit. Moment by moment, trusting in God and His Word. Uh, Proverbs puts it a little more poetically here. And there's a reason why we should obey. Why we should uh, uh, tie these things to ourselves. Make, treasure them in our heart. Guard them, keep them, not forsake them. All of these things. Verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the light and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Again, Psalm 119, it almost seems like Solomon has heard these, uh, these things before. Maybe David read these Psalms to him. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And these kind of reproofs for discipline are the way of life. I, that phrase, the way, is, uh, is a wonderful uh, phrase that we find in the New Testament as well. That's kind of was the, the title of the first Christians, really. Uh, if you'll remember, they were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. Before then, they were called uh, people of the way. And that that has always kind of uh, struck me as being oh that's that's pretty cool we are we are people of the way uh, Acts nine Saul uh, Saul before he became Paul was after people of the way 
Acts 9.1, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so we ought to be of the way. It's called the way uh, to distinguish it from the way of everybody else. These people are uh, members of the way. The only way to God, in fact, is through Jesus Christ. And obedience to Him and to His Word uh, makes us a demonstration, literally, in our lives of who, who God is and what He expects of people. That's why it's called the way. Uh, Paul, first Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 9.26, tells us the difficulties, what it takes to be a person of the way in totality. He says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul lived a very disciplined life uh, as, as a Christian. And so this, he wasn't confusing justification and sanctification. And we want to make sure to do that as well. Solomon isn't saying that you, ha- you can't, uh, that we're about to get to, you can't commit adultery and be a Christian. Uh, or you can't commit sin X, Y, or Z and be a Christian. The book of Proverbs is 99.9% exclusively dealing with sanctification. And the the problem uh, that is very evident is people saying that you have to you have to have this. You can't you can't be committing my pet sin. Whichever one you in your mind think is the worst sin in the world, uh, you can't do that and be a Christian. And the problem is that all sin, whether it's thinking in your mind or committing whatever horrendous act it is, that separates you from God. And you can only receive justification by faith in Christ because he died for all sin even the the little white lies uh, or whatever it is, up to and including uh, Hitler and uh, transgenders and Satanists and all of the horrendous evil things in the world, including them, Christ died for all of those. And he offers to us this glorious package, one package deal that is received by faith alone, in Christ alone. And then, as New Testament church-age believers, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's that's the incredible nature of this gift and privilege that it is to live where we are today, because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who helps us along in this middle tense of our salvation or middle phase of sanctification wherein we have more tools than any other person who has lived 
in order to be obedient. And as wonderful as that is, that that is an incredible gift that we oftentimes take for granted, and with it ought to come an incredible sense of responsibility uh, because we have more tools than even David. David wasn't permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit, uh, and yet he's said to be a man after God's own heart. He didn't have a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit like you and I do, or Moses, or even Daniel. There, Daniel, maybe he's a better example from the Old Testament because there's no, there's no mention of him committing sin. Uh, and, and his life, is, as recorded in the Scriptures, is one of incredible obedience and uh, dedication to the Lord literally throughout his life from the time he's a young child taken into captivity until he's an old man, uh, still being faithful to the Lord. He didn't have a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit like little old you and I do. Uh, And so we have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit who can help us, who will help us, does help us to live in obedience. And that's part of the entire package. It's received by faith, and then we walk by faith in our daily lives looking to this glorification that will one day happen as our as our motivation to live for him in the time that we have so that we can dem- demonstrate Christ's likeness and literally God to a lost world around us God is is holy and righteous that's why he wants us to be holy and righteous and the way that we can do that is observing the commandments uh, of our Father that are coming from the Bible, not forsaking the teaching of our mother, binding them continually to our to our hearts, tying them around our necks, because uh, the the main way to avoid sin is to have your heart right before the Lord always. This is the way to keep us from doing foolish things like committing adultery. Proverbs 6.24, the reason why we need to do this, observe the commandments, not forsake the teaching of our mothers, always continually keep them in our hearts and minds. Verse 24, for an express purpose, to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? The goal of this is not to make you some sort of uh, robot going around in the world or or something like that. No, it is to keep you from sin. The, the goal of, of teaching the Bible to your children is to keep them from sin. And in particular, uh, especially for men, that's why this is directed to my son. Uh, but women also need to be aware uh, of this to ensure that, that you aren't participating in this from the other angle because after all it it takes two to 
the tango, as it's, as it's said. Uh, but the goal of all this teaching is to keep us from sin. And it mentions the evil woman there in uh, verse 24. And adultery is evil in all of its forms. This is where uh, I will absolutely grant that living in the 21st century is, is much more difficult than it was in, in my time and, and earlier, particularly in America at least anyway, that uh, when we get down to it, adultery, as Jesus tells us, is a sin of the mind and pornography is uh, a medium that was, it almost seems as if whoever came up with that idea looked at the Bible, decided what God, or read what God said about adultery and uh, how to avoid it, and created a medium that was in direct competition with what the Word of God says. It absolutely attacks the mind and and becomes ingrained in the mind. And according to the scriptures, uh, pornography is a sin, make no mistake about it, but it eventually, the way that it, it works and forms in the mind, it will lead to uh, committing the act itself. And so we need to be aware of that as, uh, as men in this world and, and women, of course, in this world as well. We need to be aware of this and, and avoid it. Keep yourself from it, as it says uh, in verse 24. We need to be binding onto the teaching of God's Word, making it a part of who we are so that we can avoid this trap. And again, we've seen this before, the second half of verse 24, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. You, you got to know going in that the, uh, the way of these sorts of people is to flatter you, tell you what you want to hear. You, get, you have to be aware of that. And pornography, I mean, it puts it right in front of your face. This is, this is what you want to see. It's the same kind of thing, just done digitally or whatever the, the medium is showing you what you want to see, telling you what you want to hear. Uh, and you have to be aware of that uh, going in. And of course, as it states here, the problem begins in the heart. Verse 25, do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. It's going on in your, in your thinking before you ever get to to the act itself. And of course, the admonition is to not lust. And pornography is almost seems like what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 20, uh, 5, 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, and I, it's, I'll just keep reading. <laughs> but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery adultery with her in his heart. Uh, Jesus describing exactly what uh, pornography is uh, to these people who were in their minds 2,000 years ago are probably just thinking, uh, you know, you see so-and-so uh, walking down the street, don't look at her with lust. Well, pornography is, is more invasive 
than that and more obvious. And you're committing adultery with that person in your mind, according to Jesus, it's the same thing as actually doing the act, just like he talks about hating your brother. People murder other people because they're filled with hate, whether it's uh, built up over a lifetime or a 15-second impulse for some reason that makes you mad. You hate that person and, and you kill them. The hatred is the problem. The hatred is the root issue. Here, the lust is the root issue that leads to the sin and this is the way James describes this. Uh, in James 1.14, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Notice that? That's back to point number one, give your parents a break. Uh, he doesn't say that you're carried away and enticed by the mistakes of his parents. <laughs> it's your own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived and, and cast your sin off on someone else. It's, the, it's their fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. No, it's your fault. And it's uh, regardless of your circumstances. Paul Henberry, Dr. Paul Henberry, one of, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard from a teacher uh, said, your duty is to obey. Circumstances don't matter. Your duty is to obey. So even if you did grow up in a home that was abusive and your parents weren't uh, teaching you the Bible and they were horrible, guess what? You, uh, you're, if you're hearing this today uh, and if you pay any attention to the Bible, yes, that's, that's bad, and that set you off on the wrong foot. But your duty as a human is to obey God, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in. And that can be a very freeing thing. That's the whole point. In God, we have freedom from sin, and we have the freedom to obey. That's not... Uh, that's not chains. That's not uh, uh, you know, some sort of slavery or something like that. You can say it that way, yes. By being a slave to God, you are free. That's the kind of the dichotomy of the situation. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know that you as an individual, I stand responsible before God and I can free myself from the circumstances that I find myself in and just obey. And that, that's kind of, kind of the, whole, the whole point of, of the Christian life is to be set free from the consequences of sin that are sure. As with adultery, it's going to lead to disaster. That's why he says there... Uh, Verse 26, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, uh, an adulteress hunts for the precious life, and these kinds of things. The consequences, as we will see, are very, uh, very certain and unavoidable. And adultery in and of itself leads to financial problems like we saw in the last proverb, Proverbs 5, 9, uh, speaking along these same lines, will you give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one and strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods 
will go to the house of an alien. It's going to lead to financial uh, difficulties for you, to say the least. And notice it's easy to skip over this one, the second half of verse 26. An adulteress hunts for the precious life. Yes, married life is actually precious, in spite of what you see on TV and in the advertisements with the the uh, moronic father and the the mother who's rolling her eyes at her ridiculous husband and all of the and the TV shows are just constantly bombarded with this uh, kind of imagery. Uh, that's the exact opposite. Kind of like the pornographer goes to the Bible to see how to create something that's anti-God. It almost seems like the ad agencies do exactly the same thing. Go to the Bible, see what it says about uh, husbands, wives, children, the family, and then create something that's exactly the opposite of that. Uh, Married life is very precious. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. And so when you're going around lusting after other women or committing adultery, you're taking the precious jewels and throwing them away. You're just throwing it away uh, for nothing, for something that is going to reduce you to a loaf of bread, as it states here. That's that's very foolish, uh, to say the least. And then in verses 28 and 29, he uses this uh, imagery here to describe the unavoidable consequences of this. It's It's laid out. Adultery is going to end in disaster. Can you walk on hot coals and not have your feet burned? No. So is the one who, uh, or can you, yeah, so is the one who goes to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. So we need to understand the consequences of adultery and this line of thinking and action so that we don't fall into this trap and be foolish. Verse 29, so is the one who goes to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. But when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. He must give all the substance of his house. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. There's where our title comes from. He's a fool. He who would destroy himself does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find and his reproach will not be blotted out, for jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give many gifts. Adultery will uh, will certainly be punished, as it is stating there again in verses 28 and 29. You can't walk on hot coals and not have your feet be burned. You can't Uh, lust after another person's wife or after another woman if you're married and expect to not be burnt in the metaphorical language. And uh, the same is very true for pornography, of course, also. Even, as I mentioned before, even the secular kind of pundits are bringing this to the attention of America's youth because it's so soul-destroying. Have you wondered why people don't want to work today uh, and 
kind of have this attitude that, well, let's just uh, smoke pot and not do anything. I, I don't think it's just because marijuana has been legalized. I think it's, it has a lot to do with pornography and the effect that it has on a young male's mind in particular, and it just crushes them and, uh, and destroys their, their soul, makes them like a loaf of bread, like it says here in the book of Proverbs. And he even gives an example here of the, of the certainty of the consequences of adultery. Verse 30, men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. The, the point of the poetic language is here, this, this guy, the thief, the hungry thief has an excuse. So you may be presented with this kind of situational ethics question, you know, is it okay to steal uh, if you're starving? Um, and the answer would be, uh, well, you're going to pay the consequences as a thief, uh, according to what it says here in Proverbs. That people, you may have the feeling that, ah, I want to give this guy a break. I mean, he's starving to death, so he's got to steal. But according to this, he still has to pay the consequences. Even that guy who seems to have an excuse is going to pay for his sin. The adulterer has no excuse. Of course, he is going to pay. And according to this, he may uh, pay with his life. He has punishment with both God and man. We are all going to give an account for how we have lived before the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And yeah, I don't think that we're, as believers that we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and, and be physically punished or this kind of thing. But you can rest assured that your sin is keeping you from gaining reward with the Lord. And, and that's what I think is going to be kind of the, the downside of the judgment seat of Christ. It's not all going to be a, a bed of roses for us. We're going to see the areas of our life where we let where we sin kept us from gaining reward, where we lost reward because of this. And you, we can fool ourselves into thinking uh, that, oh, well, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll still be in, so it'll be fine. Uh, you're going to be standing before holy God. And uh, he's going to be pointing these things out to you. It's not going to be 100% pleasant. And uh, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10 and some of the passages that we looked at last week in our study of Revelation, there's, these things are recorded uh, in heaven. Uh, that's the fact that they're recorded is for our benefit, not God's. He's not going to forget. And according to Proverbs, neither is the husband. If you're engaging in adultery with a married woman, the husband isn't going to forget, and uh, it's not going to end up all that well for you. Verse 33, wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out.
for jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give many gifts. The husband is is never going to forget this, and there could be drastic consequences that come about because of it. So don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. Don't do things that you already know what the consequences of them are. That would be very foolish. And adultery in all of its forms, pornography included, is a very foolish action to engage in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. I thank you for the book of Proverbs and the incredible truths that are, that are found here and repeated for us over and over and over because we have very short memories. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be with us, uh, be with the men in, of our church in particular. I pray that you would uh, help us in this regard. Help us to be obedient to you and to your word. Help us to be uh, a light in our families of the truth of the scriptures. Help us to uh, love one another, in particular our wives. Help us to be faithful to them in every area and through every medium in our thinking, in our hearts, and in our minds. I just pray that you would cultivate that in us and help us to be faithful to you, to our wives, and to your word. Just pray now, Lord, that you would uh, be with our service to come, that it would uh, be in accordance with your will. And I thank you for each one of these people and their great attention, and we just pray for your will to be done in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.